a calm, beautiful podcast. We speak about the light, hold back truths to spare your feelings. We never rock the boat. No unfiltered opinions here. Ah, no. You're listening to Unfiltered. Unfiltered. If it's politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, and everything in between, we shoot you straight through the eyes with the truth. Streaming to six continents from Colorado Springs, Colorado, and West Hollywood, California. Sponsored by the Stutzman Group. We're real. We're raw. We are unfiltered. This is Bobby and Luke. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. It is Wednesday, February 10th. Luke, I think you're still feeling a little sad about Sunday. You know, I am, uh, you know, I've, 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 I've sufficiently licked my wounds and sufficiently moved on. Uh, Pat Mahomes and 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 crew will uh, have plenty more opportunities and much, 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 much like uh, what was it three years ago when my beloved Crimson Tide got just absolutely clobbered by Clemson uh, in the national championship. Uh, great coaches like Nick Saban learn from those mistakes and they vowed and never let it happen again. And uh, two years later, what did we see? Uh, Alabama absolutely manhandle Ohio State in this yes. past year's uh, playoff. So I, I doubt that uh, the Chiefs will, you know, if anything, the Chiefs will gather quite a bit of momentum motivation from this especially a young gun like pat mahomes and his uh his cast of crews a uh, cast of crew like kelsey and and uh, hardeman and tyreek hill these young guys are not gonna take this lightly they're not gonna take it laying down they're gonna learn a lot from it and i see many more many more super bowls to come and as we were mentioning uh before we hit record it very well could be, you know, Brady versus Mahomes part due <laughs> next part year. Yeah, you know, in the super, you know, in the Super Bowl right here in Los Angeles. So maybe go. I'm maybe I'm making a little bit more money by then, and I can swing a couple of tickets to actually go to a Super Bowl. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, did you see the average price was fourteen thousand dollars? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fourteen grand. Yeah, Perfect. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that was inflated because of re- the reduced crowd size. Right. Right. SoFi, you know, uh, you know, has a large capacity, and hopefully, we'll be back up to full capacity. So maybe a nosebleed, but I don't know. To me, you know, as much as I love the experience of being in the environment of the game. I also love uh, my big screen TV on the comfort of my couch, right? Uh, right. With uh, with replay and uh, being able to watch the game as I like it. So, yeah, we'll see. Yep. But I will say this real quick. Um, you know, back when uh, a few years back when uh, New York City 
played host to the Super Bowl. I lived in New York City at the time, and it is just uh, it makes for a fun environment because uh, in non-COVID times, obviously, there's lots of other other events that happen around the city uh, that uh, make for make make for a, a fun week. So I look forward to welcoming Super Bowl 56, I believe it'll be, yep. uh, next year at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. You know, it'll be good, right? So we get through the, the spring and the summer with vaccinations. You know, they say that we're hitting the 1.5 million vaccinations a day. And it was just announced uh, yesterday that CVS and the Walgreens are going to be uh, lit up as distribution centers across the United States to also distribute the vaccine. So that was long overdue. And, you know, it's just sad to see how much has been done in Biden's, you know, really first three, four weeks versus what was not done for a full year under the Trump administration. Yeah, it's really remarkable. And, and you know, in, in, in fairness, we do now have, you know, we're closer to the Johnson & Johnson yep. uh, vaccine, which could be the one, one and done shot, which will be the real game changer. And so progress has been continued. Uh, progress has continued in terms of vaccine uh, uh, development, but there is no debating the fact that uh, we are now seeing a, co a coordinated effort across the United States to get vaccines out uh, versus, you know, kind of leaving states to their own to figure it out. So, uh, you know, we're starting to see a glimmer of what a unified response to COVID would look like as opposed to the, uh, you know, scattershot uh, response we had back in back in uh, you know the, the previous administration right. and I and I want to put like a, a bit of a personal note on this my my folks who are in their 70s and retired uh, still uh, have a home in in Kansas City where uh, you know I, I grew up when I was younger and my sister and her family still live there. But, you know, as the retired folk tend to do, they snowbird and they have a they also have a home out in Surprise, Arizona, the home of the spring training home of the Kansas City Royals out in the Phoenix area. And the vaccine distribution is such a clusterfuck in Kansas that my parents weren't, you know, out of a abundance of precaution. We're not planning on traveling or we're just going to stick it out in Kansas, but we're like, you know what? We're going to just go out to Arizona for a month just to see if we could get shots out there. Right. And wouldn't you know it, less than two weeks here, they're already scheduled to get their first shots on Wednesday. So, wow. Wow. you know, it, it's, 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 it's sad that it, it is, you know, a state by state situation Right, right now, and I, and I don't even want to get into the clusterfuck that is California right now <laughs> in terms of uh, trying to get people vaccinated. You know, we 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 got everybody their first shots, and now we can't continue the first shots until everybody gets their second shots because we're already running low. And it just, I, it's just, right. a, it's a shit show out here. Um, uh, how are how are things going in Colorado? 
you know, for the most part, you know, everything seems to be going good. Obviously, there's are shortages. Uh, yeah. What I would like to see is people that are signed up that are priority. Like right now, it's anybody, I believe, over the age of 70 still. Um, but yet there's leftover vaccines. Something that we're not doing is taking the next in line, right? So if I stand in line, like down in Texas, Texas seems to be a hot spot right now in certain in certain communities where they are distributing the vaccine as soon as the priority individuals are taken care of. So you have underlying conditions, you're over 65, you get your vaccine and, and you're done. They got an extra 600 shots. Okay, who's next? It doesn't matter if you're an 18-year-old yep. kid or a 26-year-old, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, they're they're distributing the vaccines to those who, who want it and those who need it. And I completely understand prioritizing age groups, teachers, uh, those with underlying conditions. But then if you've got another two, 300 doses, why are you waiting till tomorrow to distribute those when there's people in line today? Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And you hear, uh, luckily, uh, fortunately, you hear story after story like that coming out that, you know, we have X amount of doses that we have to give to priority, but then we have these extra doses. And as opposed to letting them expire, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, get these doses into uh, people's arms. My favorite story that I heard was the uh, shipment of doses that Scott got stuck in a traffic jam, and they literally pulled out the doses and started walking up car to car, asking people if they wanted a COVID uh, dose because otherwise it was going to expire. And yes. I think that's that is the kind of spirit that the entire nation needs to keep on right now because an expired dose that goes in the trash does no good. Okay. Like I don't care it, right. yeah, to your point. I don't care if you stick that vaccine into the healthiest 18 year old you've ever met in your life. Yeah. At least it's being used. So get, right. get, get the shot in an arm and uh, you know, go from there. So, it, you, you know, know and that's huge integrity of those people, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it says on there expires 2.37 p.m. on this date, right? Well, they had just a few hours. They knew they weren't going to make it back in time. And they were just like, we need, <coughs> we need to distribute this. And this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I, I was reading an article. Uh, I believe it was an... <sighs> It was in Oklahoma that uh, a, a healthcare system realized that they had extra doses. And so they started distributing those extra doses to teachers. They put it out to the education community to say, hey, uh, it looks like we'll have some extra doses. If you'd like to come in, come on in. And then the state stripped that healthcare system of their doses because they did not follow the rigid protocol put in place by the state. So, mm. you know, we, we still have plenty 
of work to do when when that kind of bullshit is happening. Uh, you know, when 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 you're basically saying, "I'd rather you let those uh, doses spoil than not follow protocol." Uh, right. That's, uh, that's uh, as TK would say. That's a real head scratcher. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't fucking know why in the world right. you would do that. Just get the get the doses out. Yeah. Speaking of TK and his podcast, right? So I need a mulligan. Yeah. Uh, there was a Republican senator yesterday who simply stated that Donald Trump needs a mulligan for what happened on January 6th. <laughs> that was his official statement. Wow. 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 So, you know. My understanding of a mulligan is that you know you take it, you take a bad shot, and you know you get a chance to take a, a shot to to replace that shot. Right. Uh, I don't believe a mulligan has ever involved accidentally burning down the golf uh, range, and then uh, you know once the range is Storming rebuilt, the, yeah, the get to, and you know and destroying you, it, you, and you killing it. Yeah, you get to uh, take another shot at it. So fuck that guy. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, for our intro music today, Luke, I have got some Jack Harlow featuring Big Sean. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into more of the impeachment trial that has been very eye-opening, gut-wrenching. And I uh, look forward to digging that a little bit deeper on the other side. Let's do it. I can tell who's on the way out. 25 shows, check the payout. I ain't going home, I'ma stay out. Motherfuckers hate you when they looking for a way out. I just sit back and let it play out. Yeah, she gon' let me hit it any day now. What you gonna say now? My ex girl got a bait now, but she still let me stay now. I got a Dallas and an H Town boo, got a baddie out Cape Town too. Ooh, 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 ooh. Whole gang in steakhouse food, get the check, I ain't checking what it came out to. I tell promoters I don't talk about the money, you know who they hand the envelope to. Big John got the cash and he been the go to. Heard the beat, told Nicky put it in the Pro Tools. Got a fountain on the chain and it's indigo blue. Might fuck around and get a gold tooth I'm a restaurant girl, I never been a whole fool She gon' listen to the song, say this shit a whole move so now, Luke, day one of the trial happened yesterday, and I was actually watching the opening statement from uh, the Dems this morning, and it was very, very powerful. Yeah, I, uh, I too, was... Uh, had the had had the live stream up in the background the whole day. Um, the thirteen minute clip that the Dems opened with, uh, basically where they juxtaposed what was going on, you know, on the House floor versus outside versus Trump's comments, Trump's tweets, Trump's videos. Uh, the commentary of the insurrectionists themselves saying, I am here because Donald Trump sent me. Yes. Um, I, I, it is as, 
it is as open and shut as a case could possibly be. Um, you had the lead impeachment manager, Jamie Raskin, give a very heartfelt, very emotional response. And, and just to back up for, for those that don't know, um, you know, two days before impeachment started, Jamie Raskin lost his son to suicide. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, was already dealing with that personal tragedy, but saw his responsibility, uh, you know, in this role, you know, to, to continue on. And so he did. Uh, he had his daughter and I believe son-in-law with him uh, that day at the Capitol. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, the commentary after, you know, when he was trying to explain to his young daughter, you know, this isn't how things are, you know, this will never be like this again. And her basically saying, dad, I never, I never want to be in this building again. Um, you know, that really choked him up. And I think it really drove home the personal impact that not just our elected representatives felt, but their family members, their their staff members, uh, you know, the members of the media that were there, everybody that was there that had, you know, a true sense of, holy shit, this might be it. And I have seen just about enough of the right wing punditry bullshit of like, oh, no one was going to die. This or that. How, how the fuck do you know? Right. How do you know if, 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 if a few of these madmen would have actually got their hands on uh, Pelosi or Schumer or hell, even Mike Pence, Mike Pence. Yeah. What, 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 possibly could have happened. They killed a police officer, uh, things that came to light. I didn't even know police uh, officers lost fingers, got eyes gouged out. Um, you know, we know about the two who have now since taken their lives. Uh, it, it was about as violent of a, an insurrection, a crime, that we have ever seen perpetrated on American soil. And I'm sorry, I keep going back to the point that if these were anyone, anyone other than mostly white Americans waving Trump flags, the, right. this would Think have been Think if it was handled. Black Lives Matter. Think if it, I mean, you know, if it was Muslim. I if mean, I just, I, I shudder to think what, you know, what, because extremism, extremism lives in all sectors of humanity. Okay. I'm not defending everyone on the left. I'm not defending everyone on the right. I extremism exists anywhere. And if these had been left-wing extremists or Muslim extremists, extremists, or, you know, African-American extremists, Right. This would have been a blood bath. And the the only reason it wasn't 
a bloodbath, and we have this on tape now also, is because Trump said, basically, even though you're justified in doing what you're doing, now's the time to go home. And then they have right then and there people saying, okay, Trump's telling us to go home. We need to go home. How right. much more evidence do you need to know that those people were there for one reason and one reason only? And that is because Donald J. Trump told them to be there and to fight like hell. Right. And, and I think the Republicans know that. And so they have to cling on to this constitutionality argument. But what about their oath, right? So days before the trial started, so it was last week, AOC provided a video across her social media platforms explaining in detail what was going on, how she felt, what happened from her standpoint. Mm -hmm. And then you had Republicans who were there with her there are pictures of her standing next to some of them before this all started, mm -hmm. making the claim that she wasn't even in, in the building. Right. 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 That was their first. That was the first kind of right. like, oh, I kind of see how this may go now, you know, mm -hmm. but everybody in the Senate took an oath, yep. an, an oath not to Trump, but to the Constitution. So those that were there that day that were hiding for three hours that were yeah. worried that they were going to die mm -hmm. on both sides of the aisle. How can the Republicans now come back and say, this isn't impeachable. This isn't, we need to move on from this. Uh, Trump needs a mulligan. You know, it just baffles me just from a, you know, a, an intellect an intelligent common sense and a character and a, a you know a human standpoint how can they sit there in that chamber watch those videos listen to those stories and then come and say eh we need to move on well and the whole okay so this whole thing was broken down into two arguments is the trial constitutional and then the trial itself now that the majority of the jurors have voted that it is a constitutional trial, that's all out the window. Now, as a impartial juror, you are expected to make verdict on the evidence placed in front of you. Unfortunately, we know that these probably 44 plus Republicans are going to say, well, I'm voting no anyway because I still think it's constitutional. No, you already took that vote. Right. That vote lost. Now you have to vote on, do you think that Donald Trump's actions contributed to the incitement of this insurrection? And that's what pisses me off is because these assholes are going to use that constitutional constitutionality argument to get out of this, essentially. Uh, yeah. So they don't have to piss off Trump. So they don't have to go on record. Capital, right? Yeah. They're worried about the constituents that are Trump followers. It, it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. This is not how... And most of these assholes 
are lawyers and constant and some of them like Ted fucking Cruz is a constitutional lawyer. That's what right. his background is in. And they know that once that vote is taken, that that's that's it. That that is essentially taking a case to say we're either going to dismiss this case or not. Okay, the case is not being dismissed. So now as a juror, you have to pass judgment based on the merits of the case. Right. Did he or did he not incite this riot? Yes or no? Not a yes, but this isn't the right place to do. No, that right. is gone. Yeah. That is gone. And then sadly and unfortunately, there's really no way, you know, because we don't in the American legal system make people say I'm voting this way because mm -hmm. it's just a simple yes, no vote. And they're going to hide behind it. And, you know, to flip the other switch, the argument uh, made uh, by the second attorney who, who has the oddest way of drinking water I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, um, he's Jewish. I, 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 that's what I was thinking. Like, did he forget he didn't have his yarmulke on? Well, that's why he was using his hand is that he said that he didn't have his yarmulke, so he uses his hand as the cover. Oh, the I see. I see. Okay. <laughs> I even friends I was talking of Jewish friends I was talking to online were saying I he could have just had it on. There's nothing restricting him from having it on. Right. Right. Anyway, but I think the, he forgot it that morning. Was the, the, de details. Right. Um, <laughs> the argument made by Schlot, Schlot, Schlotkin, Schlot, Schlotten, the second attorney. Yeah. Yeah. And we can get into the rambling mess that was Castor in a minute. But the second attorney made the point that if the Democrats feel that a criminal law was broken, the District of Washington, D.C. should be looking into it and has every right to take up charges on the pre former president of the United States um, and indict him. The problem with that is that the burden of proof, appropriately so, the burden of proof in the U.S. criminal justice system is so high is so high that it would be nearly impossible to beyond a shadow of a doubt convict Donald Trump as the sole instigator of that rally. Mm -hmm. it, it, there's just too, there's too many ways. Now, I don't know if any good, I don't know if any decent lawyers will still work with this man. We, we saw yesterday he certainly doesn't have the A team, let alone the D team playing for him right now. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, <laughs> that, first, that first one was such a train wreck. He didn't even oh get my... his position. No, no. You know, he, stum he stammered through his, his title and what he's and nothing, for. nothing, nothing pleased me more to hear Trump aides on background saying that he was literally throwing things at the television. Right, right. And then, <laughs> like, like and then the insolent child he is. Biden won the election. But, you know, that and, was then, another... and then the cardinal sin admitted that Biden won the election handily 
and the American people have already spoken, so this entire process is moot. I mean, Donald Trump must have blown a fucking gasket in that moment to be a fly on the wall. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Oh, my God. But back to my criminality thing, Mm -hmm. ah, it is so hard. It is so hard to prove conspiracy and to prove instigation, these kind of things beyond a shadow of a doubt. Usually it's a good thing because for years the statute was used on people like Martin Luther King and, and, and John Lewis and Malcolm X and whatnot. Like it, it, it's, it's incredibly hard to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that this person was solely responsible for this. Mm-hmm. So the sad, sad truth that is dawning is that most likely, at least for this one, Trump is going to face no legal accountability. My hope and prayer is that the political accountability will remain there and he will remain such a pariah in the Republican Party that this fever dream will eventually break. And, you know, the types of, uh, you know, Ben Sass, which we can get into his courage in a moment, mm-hmm. two words I haven't used lately with those two, um, you know, hopefully those cooler heads will prevail um, and we'll see a, a different type of primary in 2024. But right now it's not looking very good. Right. Right. Now, Luke, why is it that a majority, just a majority isn't enough to, you know, we got to have all the Dems, the 50 plus the 17 Republicans. Why isn't it just 51? Yeah, it's a it's an incredible high. It's an incredible high standard to remove a president because uh, or convict a president in this case, because it is the ultimate censure. You, you are essentially saying that this person's actions were so egregious that the overwhelming, overwhelming membership of both the House and Congress, or excuse me, the House and Senate agree uh, to a overwhelming 60% um, threshold to actually remove. And that, and keep in mind, that's just, the the guilty phase the sentencing phase what they're really after this the the removal from office permanently is a whole nother thing so feasibly they could convict him impeach him but yet not sentence him to not be able to run for office again Mm. that that is a possibility the other side of that is that there is this very minute clause in the 14th Amendment where you can strip somebody of their ability to run for office without um, without without conviction. But that 
also takes a two thirds vote mm. in the Senate. Um, it, it is the 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 filibuster. These two thirds votes. They are a product of Jim Crow America. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. they are some of the more archaic uh, uh, restrictions that we have in our laws. And it is the principal reason why there is so much gridlock on, on Congress. The reasoning being is that you don't want every four years these vast pendulum swings. swings. Yeah. But at the same time, when it comes to, I don't know, a livable wage for all Americans, mm -hmm. maybe, <laughs> you know, it would be nice to think that we could get a hundred senators on board for a livable wage for all America. But uh, these pretend fiscal hawks, as long as they're not shoveling money to their corporate overlords, you know, they, 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 <laughs> they don't, they don't see the need for it. And, you know, to hear one more Republican, even the Romneys of the world saying the 1.9 threshold or 1.9 price tag is way too high when I could not agree more with the Biden team when this when they say that the only risk we run here is not doing enough. Right. There is no such thing as doing too much. Right. And that's what was stated with the CEOs yesterday with Biden, right? Yeah. JP Morgan, Walmart, and other yeah. other CEOs stating the biggest opportunity or you know that we can do is not do enough. Right. And so this morning there is articles that were say were, were stating that the checks now are up to thirty six hundred dollars per dependent. Um, so we'll see how this all plays out and the ramifications from the salaries, what's going to cut it off, you know, yeah. and all that shit. Yeah. And that's sliding right into my second, this whole idea of making 50 grand in America is, is not hell 20 years ago when I was making 50 grand in Kansas city, I was mm -hmm. not living well. Let's just make right. this really fucking clear all right? right so here we are 20 years later the federal minimum wage is still seven dollars and 25 cents a year um and to say that anybody making more than fifty thousand dollars a year is making plenty and they don't need this additional stimulus what a crock of shit because that means what you're making 60 65 Seven, like what? That that that's. I mean, no, no. Right. Well, <laughs> we even like at seven at seven twenty five, the minimum federal wage. Mm -hmm. That's two. That's two ninety a week, times fifty two weeks a year. That's fifteen grand. Yeah, that's yeah. fifteen thousand. You know, and, you know the the OMBC and you know all of these financial hawks are coming out that oh this fifteen dollar. It's gonna, it's gonna raise, it's gonna raise the the deficit, yada yada yada. I am so fucking tired of talking about the the deficit when it comes to helping out the working class, right? Because we don't care a shit about the deficit when it comes to 
you know, all of these corporate tax breaks. Like, here's here's a good one for you, Bobby. I just heard this one on the old radio this morning. Okay. Our good friends at Kroger, you know. Okay, Kroger. here we go. All right, all right. Yep. They went ahead and they cut their, what they were calling hero pay, which was a measly $2, in, $2 extra right. per, per employee working during the pandemic. Right. You know what they're doing with that money instead? Oh, you know, stock buybacks. Yeah. You know, taking care of their shareholders. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're saying, yeah, hey, and I posted about that myself. And here's my thoughts, right? With you know, I I ran stores for Walmart. I ran mm -hmm. stores for ATB and Albertsons. I know this industry very, very well. Right. I know which stores make margins. I know which stores don't make margins. So adding mandatory i think in some of these in some of these uh cities i think san fran or san jose with with kroger's they were like well you need to add four dollars an hour yeah and they said, long well, beach increased just, uh, wages 28 yeah. percent yeah well kroger is making margin right if you were to compare apples to apples say say a kroger's or a king king supers which is owned by by Kroger's here in, in in Colorado, and you compared right. You know they're a competitor, but they're not really the same competitor, right? So Walmart say say razors are five bucks. Kroger is eight ninety nine. Mm -hmm. So it's not like that was going to kill the operation. It was going to shutter stores. You know people need to understand too that a lot of markets like let's say say Houston Texas. In a lot of markets where there are a ton of stores that's saturated with the Kroger's, with the Walmarts, with the HEBs, a lot of them are losing money, right? So they're budgeted to lose money. They're in the red. Mm. And so the goal is not to lose as much. So as a store manager, when you think about your salary and your bonus mm -hmm. or the bonuses of your department managers and or the bonuses of your store, which includes mm -hmm. everybody, the whole goal is say, say your budget for the year is to lose $2 million, right? Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. some of them, it's only to lose $4 million, Mm -hmm. And then you come in and you only lose, say, a million. It's not like you're going to get that two million in bonus money. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so Kroger making the decision of saying, hey, we're not only not paying that, but we're going to close these stores because they've been underperforming for a uh -huh. long time. Yeah, that was I, the other piece in the article I heard yes. last night that they're closing stores. <laughs> yeah, what? they're supposedly underperforming, but you know what? You stayed in the market with that store probably for 20 years, and maybe for 20 years it's been losing money, but now all of a sudden you're they're being forced to do something. You mm -hmm. know, it's just like unions, right? Texas, I was I was part of a a kind of takeover with with unions with a certain brand and then all of a sudden well they've been underperforming so we're going to shut these 12 and then you find out okay bobby we're going to move you to this store we're going to pay for your move and all this stuff and then and then to find out well they're only closing because they were trying to unionize so mm -hmm. retailers 
you know, retailers play the game. And unfortunately, Kroger is a company, if you look at their financial statements, they can afford a, 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 a you know, a 28% hit to their, to their labor costs. Mm-hmm. Their prices are high enough to cover that. So it's not like they were going to go out of business because of labor costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me rethink my trips to to Ralph's every week. I don't, I, I, I'm running out of places to go, Bobby. Yeah, and I forget who owns Ralph's. Does Kroger own Ralph's as well? Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's one of the stores they're closing down in Long Beach. And the thing, the real gut punch to it is that they're not guaranteeing any of their employees' uh, moves to other locations. Right. So these right. would be wholesale layoffs. Meanwhile, the uh, CEO of Kroger made uh, north of $20 million last year. Right. So, right. Uh, so Kroger is the largest grocery retailer outside of Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. They've, they've got, I think, over 20 brands underneath the Kroger umbrella. Uh, they make a shit ton of money on their private label. And we can get into a whole discussion about private label and the pros and cons of that another day. But Kroger is not hurting. And the idea of having stores in a market (laughs) that lose money, that's not unheard of either, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is just basically them saying, hey, you're not going to tell us what to do. We're Kroger. We're not going to listen to uh, city councils tell us to raise our wages when we don't have to. Why aren't you making the competitors raise, you know, their wages? So there's pros and cons, but at the end of the day, Kroger could, you know, easily eat this and they could eat it for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just cannot, I cannot more emphatically support uh, hazard pay, hero pay, whatever they want to call it. If you're working at a grocery store, you're, you're sacking groceries, you're checking out, you're stocking shelves, uh, and you, you, you have to be there, you know, every day uh, in order to keep the people of America fed during a pandemic. I, I think you more than deserve a couple extra bucks per hour for for your for your time. You know, right. that, that, right. that just that just makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the. Uh, other end of the spectrum, I suppose, you've got uh, uh, this big labor movement going down in Alabama. Now we're going to get the first uh, unionized Amazon warehouse, and uh, what 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 is that you know going to look like? Um, Amazon fighting very hard uh, to keep uh, unionization out of uh out of their warehouse going as far as to put anti-union literature uh taped right. up inside of bathroom door stalls right uh, <laughs> like, meanwhile jeff whoop, there goes the mic <laughs> um meanwhile you know, and look, that has to do with power you know i don't care what you know when you're running, say, a Walmart Supercenter and you've got a, a million dollar payroll and you can buy whatever and you can kind of do whatever, you know, Amazon is is the king of, of, of retail. So when it comes to 
Unions coming in, can they afford more wages and benefits? Absolutely. But that's not the issue. The issue is about having the power and the say. We want the power and the say to to dictate the wage. You know, there's, you know, in other markets, there are companies that do like an annual salary survey where Mm -hmm. they figure out what what salaries are being paid in the market. So Mm -hmm. in retail, it's it's common practice to screw the people that have been with you the longest, right? So you could start out, say you start out at a Walmart Supercenter here in the Springs or even in LA or wherever, and you you start out as an hourly um, employee, say in the meat department. Mm -hmm. So then a year later, you put in for a department manager position and say you pick up the deli. Well, mm-hmm. now they want you to run the deli for at least 12 months, get through all the seasons and all the holidays. So you've got kind of your basic report card. Mm-hmm. Well, then mm-hmm. you, you know, from department manager, then it's, a, you know, an assistant manager. There's an assistant manager program. Mm-hmm. Well, going from step to step to step, you're making a fraction of what I would pay or say the HR manager at these and Walmart's not the only one. It's just the retail industry, whether it's grocery or not. If we want somebody, say we go hire the deli manager from your Ralph's to run the deli for a Walmart and at Mm -hmm. Ralph's they're making say 30,000. Well, what's it going to take to get you to come over to Walmart? Well, it's going to take 38,000. Well, the normal department manager is making 10 50 an hour, Mm. right? Mm-hmm. So you're paying considerable more and then assistant managers. So the average assistant manager at Walmart says making 45, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 45,000. Well, you go to hire an assistant from say a competitor. Well, they're going to want 50. Well, I'm getting paid 50. I want 55. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're mm-hmm. paying 15,000 more than what you would pay someone getting moving up the chain internally. So it's kind of, you know, it's there's a lot of retailers that are overpaying when they hire from outside, but yet they want that talent because they want to know exactly how does Ralph's do this? How, what's the operations here? How can we improve our operations there? So it's just part of the game. When you go outside of your of your house, you're going to pay more. And it's it's really caught you know and like retail the average turnover rate you know at some of these markets are 110 percent so every you know every time you're hiring somebody two people quit so it's a you know revolving door and a lot of them play the game well i know if i work for walmart for a year i can get x but i can go back to king supers and you know get more and it's just you know the salary thing really pissed me off when i read that kroger article because the spokesman for Kroger's in that market made it sound like that a 28% increase in labor costs was going to kill the store, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, cause that was going to be, that, that was going to be my, 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 my question to you, my, you know, the, the, the one I really want answered is that if, if Kroger just, you know, wholesale said for the next six months, we're going to give, everybody on staff that's hourly $2 an extra $2 extra an hour. Right. Is that really going to kill their bottom line? Is that really going to really going to affect them for the budget for the store? Right. So the store managers will say, okay, 
I think everybody deserves that, but you need to change my budget, right? So every department dollar, even the markdowns, Luke, when you think of like all the markdown racks at a Kohl's or at mm -hmm. a Walmart or mm -hmm. whatever the retailer, mm -hmm. markdown dollars are budgeted. <laughs> so anything that you um, say your markdown dollars total 15000 for women's wear. Well, say at the end of the week, right, this is a weekly budget, you end up um, taking $18,000 hit in, in markdowns. That's $3,000 more than you're budgeted. So now you're looking for cuts. You got to cut labor. You got to cut, you know, whatever costs. You got to cut overtime just to maintain just the markdowns. Well, and so then that's – okay, so then let, let's get into it uh... – and this is worth getting into because I want to ask you about this, because one of the things that uh, has been talked to a lot about this uh, $15 minimum wage, and I just heard it this morning while I was driving to pick something up that, you know, the CBO is saying that uh, raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour uh, could uh, have a net loss of over 1.4 million jobs in America because companies, you know, will cert will just instant instead of paying people more, they'll just lay them off. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a common practice, right? So, <clears throat> like, even when uh, say say stores are are showing that they're going to hire uh, six full timers for you know whatever and it's going to pay X. Well, those those salaries are budgeted. So anything that's not filled, say during the week, during the month, during the quarter, helps on you know as far as the labor spent on the budget. But yet at the same time, people need to understand too these stores to keep up with the urgency of getting products now right mm -hmm. amazon you can go on at 7 a.m and in some markets like say seattle you can mm -hmm. order groceries and they're delivered to you within two to four hours right mm -hmm. we're in colorado springs i can order something and it's going to get delivered the next day or it's two days from now uh -huh. so in order for brick and mortar to keep up with just the you know, I want it now. I'm going to order it. And I want to go to the store and pick it up. They're adding all these these services to mm. the brick and mortar stores. The problem, right? You go into a Walmart. I went into Walmart this morning and got some groceries. Mm -hmm. There was nobody, nobody in the deli, right? Mm -hmm. So, what, mm -hmm. you know, I think about the deli operations. You've got to slice meat. You've got to cook the, the you know, the chickens, the chicken, you got to do yeah. the hot case, you got to make sandwiches. There was nobody there. And then you wow. look at the bakery and there was one person in the bakery for the mm -hmm. entire bakery. Mm -hmm. And understand these are multi-million dollar departments. But here's my question though. So you're in a Walmart, right? Right. Target, on the other hand, uh, almost immediately after the pandemic struck, uh, immediately increase their minimum uh, their minimum wage to fifteen dollars across the board. You go to work right. at Target, you get fifteen dollars an hour. Right? Why you're telling me companies like Walmart can't do the same thing? They can, but you got to understand margin structures are completely different, right? Walmart Walmart operates on a on and I say a pretty similar Costco structure where it's fifteen to eighteen percent margin depending on the product. 
Okay. Target operates on a 30 to 50% margin, depending on the product. And then obviously your cost area is like the meat department and your deli and your bakery. There's higher, higher margin items. But, <clears> you know, for the most part across the board, uh, you know, Target is doubling, if not tripling the margins that they're making at their prices mm -hmm. based on what mm -hmm. Walmart's doing. But then you got to look at volume. The average super target does, you know, 45 to 48 million a year. And the average Walmart Supercenter does anywhere from, I, you know, I'd say 90 to 110 million a year. All right. So let's take it down from because I, as I heard in the article uh, this morning, that uh, Kroger is actually number two only to Walmart in terms right. of groceries. So, yes, Kroger is Kroger can't do a $15. Uh, or does Kroger also yeah, run? Super absolutely, they can because they have they have the infrastructure, right? When you look at total distribution and manufacturing, right? Kroger is, Kroger just isn't a company that just white labels other people's shit with their own label. They mm -hmm. actually manufactured, you know, like HEB. HEB down in Texas is a monster. Um, in Texas, they're only right. in Texas and Mexico, right. right? But they manufacture their own shit. They make their own bread. They process their own meat stuff. And I mean, it's a massive operation. Yeah. And you do it yourself, so you're making those higher margins, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all taken in, you know, into consideration. The loaf of bread made at manufacturing, the distribution, the transportation, the labor to stock, and you know, all that's taken in into consideration. Kroger is the same way. Kroger is an operation that does their own manufacturing of a lot of their own shit. So they're making a lot higher margins. So for them to come back and say, hey, we can't afford this is a crock of shit. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, look, it just is. I mean, they could easily afford 28, 35% increase in labor costs. Now, is there going to be some offset in pricing increases? Sure. You know, instead of paying two twenty or two twenty five for a gallon of milk, it may come to two two fifty, two fifty five. Yeah. But they make it up in volume, right? Yeah. All these stores we're talking about are volume players. They're not mom and pop shops. No, so yeah. When you're doing a hundred million a year and you're making, you know, twenty million net profit, you can you can handle three, four, five, even I'd say even ten dollars more an hour for mm -hmm. for this purpose and then at the end of the day too there's a ton of tax credits that these organizations get based on um what they do and how they do it in their states and there's mm -hmm. negotiated taxes and so they get a ton of tax credits so they're doing just fine gotcha well there are a couple of other topics that i still want to talk about but i will we can save it for next week i do want to ask you one thing though before uh uh, before it gets too far out of the uh, the public uh, uh, the public mind, is that I heard about the most horrifying story uh, I think I have heard ever uh, yesterday, and that is the hack of mm -hmm. the uh, Oldsmar water supply system down in Florida right. uh, that was done completely and totally via a remote hack of this water uh this water control plant yes, yes. uh can you can you talk to us about that a little bit 
And can you please reassure me that we're not all going to die just from drinking the water? Well, everybody is going to digital, right? Everything's digitally digital. We got our smartphones. We got our sensors. We've got IoT industry that is, is growing significantly with all these sensors and one pane of glass control. And when I say one pane of glass, right? So when you talk IoT, we could be monitoring network security. We could be monitoring the water flow for something or the electricity flow or where people are moving around. Like you go to Walmart, they've got different beacons around and they're kind of tracking the, the uh, flow of where the customers are shopping and how they're shopping, which helps dictate where products are placed on the shelves and, you know, and all that. So, but you know, the simplicity, everybody wants it simple and they want it easy and they want it now. So, you know, last week we talked about API integration and Luke and I are working on a, a, a project for the cannabis industry that is dealing with additional API development. And IOT is no different. So you have basically one platform that can monitor all kinds of different shit and you can integrate you know, not one IOT platform can do everything. So then what you do is, okay, where, where's the miss on this platform? You know what? The miss here is X and this company does that great. So let's call them and say, Hey, we want to integrate this capability into our platform. And then boom, you got that integration. And, and, you know, so what's happening here is that the API integration and the simplicity is is happening across the board. What's not happening is the network security, right? Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, you know, especially when you're using your phone for business, if there's ever an app update, I'm constantly checking the Android store for app updates because when, you know, it'll say bug fixes or bug this. Bug fixes means there's probably a security exploit somewhere. And they need to, you need to install that patch to kind of basically shut that off. Well, patches only happen when the exploits has, you know, made been made public. So on this hack here, it was a bug that was exploited, similar mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. a bug on the iOS software that happened a few weeks ago that Apple just came out and said, everybody needs to update their shit, their iPhones, their iPads and everything. Right. So mm. that's what's happening here is that cities, you talk about smart city application, we've done several rollouts, but part of our uh, rollout practice is network security. A lot of them are not, right? So we figure uh -huh. out where the exploits are. And then here, simple sensor monitoring IoT system, a bug was exploited in the software and boom, uh, they had access to basically the city's water. <laughs> Nah, then luckily a plant manager caught the hack uh, quickly and uh, was able to uh, rectify it. The city has uh, gone out of their way to say that this uh, contaminated water, had it been contaminated, uh, there's lots of fail safes in place that it would have never made it into the public stream. But uh, just like I believe you've said on a previous podcast, uh, this is... Uh, where the next world war will be fought. Uh, Absolutely. No doubt. It, Absolutely. It infrastructures, lighting, light grids, gas grids, uh, water grids, all of it just being, you know, shut down and 
uh, God help us all. So not to end on that very sad note. Uh, <laughs> you got our high note for today? <laughs> I just wanted to point out a couple of fun fun things uh, to everybody. Um, Vanity Fair recently posted an article about uh, the, the, uh, the renaissance of radio television. So mm. basically it's not just podcasts. It's actually TV shows per se that are being created for the purely audio market. Uh, one of the most popular shows on uh, Netflix right now is, is Rescue Party, which was originally based on a podcast, and there are many, many more. Check out VanityFair.com for that article. Uh, for those of you that were desperately missing your little sugar-covered pockets of, uh, of marshmallow uh, peeps, has announced that their factory is back in operation. And so after missing uh, the uh, entire holiday season, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah peeps, they're back in strong form for, uh, for Easter. So expect to see peeps back on your shelves soon. And the, <laughs> the last thing that I wanted to add to is I am now the proud owner of some beautiful, beautiful Nike Air Max 90s. Nice. I had no nice. idea. Do you know when the first Nike Max or Nike Air Max shoe was debuted? It was, was all it in the, the way, 70s? Yeah, yeah. It was 70s. all the way back yeah. in 1979. I have no idea. Uh, so it's called Running on Air, a history of the legendary Nike Air Max. I'll post that up on our social media for everybody to check it out. But it's really, I just had no idea that this shoe has been around for as long as it has been. And it has gone through so many different iterations and that so many of the iterations are still incredibly, incredibly popular. I'm not trying to say it rivals with your Jordans by Bobby, but it's a pretty sweet shoe. Uh, again, I'll be <laughs> posting posting that on social media for everything to look out for. Uh, things we did not make it today. Uh, there, there's more information, Bobby. I want to uh, dig in on this big Russian hack. And apparently the U S had been warned about this for years. So I'd love Absolutely. to dig into that. Yes. Um, and then also, uh, there is the, the case, um, Excuse, excuse me, the case for the tragic flight. It was a year ago last week that Kobe Bryant and his beautiful daughter and all of their friends, their lives were lost in that helicopter crash. And the official NTSB report has now come out. And I'd love to dive into that in a future episode. But in the meantime, get on out to the grocery store, not a Kroger's, get on out to the grocery store find you some peeps and enjoy the sugar rush and Bobby once again, humble pie on my face. I guess that giant shit spoons coming to me. Congratulations to your man crush, Tom Brady and his bucks. 
You've been listening to Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. Politics, tech, entertainment, global headlines, real and raw. Real and raw. Finally, a podcast with real talk and no bullshit. We hope you enjoyed the show, but if we pissed you off, that's okay too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Bobby and Luke. On Instagram at Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. And on LinkedIn at Unfiltered-With-Bobby-And-Luke. How many dashes do we need there, fellas? My God. Anyway, make sure to like, rate, and review. And of course, leave a comment. And check out the website at BobbyAndLuke.com. This is Unfiltered, signing off.